0: Scott must have been in my head, (laughs) reading my thoughts. Um, I feel like there's different um, opportunities that we have as communicators. I think sometimes we preach, and so we're taking the Scripture and we're kind of breaking it down and um, trying to apply it together, and I, I tend to um, enjoy preaching most. Uh, sometimes we teach, and our communication you know, involves um, concepts or ideas or drawings, or you know, and, and we're trying to get across um, an idea or a concept as opposed to preaching. Which really, when we preach, we're really leaning into the Holy Spirit to do the work in the in the hearers or the listeners that we can't do with words. Teaching, sometimes you can lean on the concept um, and you can say, well, if that translates well, then I guess it was a good uh, teaching. And then sometimes I feel like I'm speaking. And lots of times... When I'm assigned a topic, I feel like I'm speaking, meaning that I get up here and I just talk. And there's not like this uh, Holy Spirit like infilling and I'm, you know, reading the crowd to see who's, you know, repenting and crying and tearing their clothes, um, you know, or who's taking notes, like a teacher would gauge, you know, who's, who's listening by who's taking notes. And I think sometimes, um, when it's the speaking part or the telling part, um, I lose enthusiasm. I, I'm less interested. So I'm just, you know, vulnerability, as Scott said. So this week was horrible. I had, I had nothing. I actually reached out to some friends, and I was like, I, I, I have nothing for Sunday. I have no wind in my sail. I don't, I don't hear God saying anything. Um, I heard God saying a lot of things, but nothing connected to what I was assigned as the topic. And so there is a bit of frustration in that. Um, one, because it highlights uh, very quickly how deficient I am to come up with, with good topics, right? <laughs> like it's handed to you and it's like half of the work has been done. But it, but it felt like this week, really, really arduous. And so then I just stopped. Um, I just stopped prepping for this morning. I had a friend say, why don't you talk about how, um, what do you do when you don't know what God is saying, right? Because like, Jim talked a couple months ago, remember, about not having the chainsaw and not trying to force something, not trying to make something happen. He's like, why don't you, why don't you talk about the opposite, where you're like, I'm not going to do anything. Um, and and what, that, you know, what does that bring you? And I was like, that sounds like a horrible talk. <laughs> it sounds like I would be justifying the fact I didn't have anything to say. So I thought about that for a day. And then an encouragement came in, and it was... Um, Why don't you just do what you usually do? Why don't you just step in in the ways that you usually would without trying to hear God on a specific topic? Why don't you just be with God? And that to me was really freeing. And so I took Thursday as a day to just kind of sit. And on Friday I woke up and I had... A little bit of ideas, and then Saturday, I wrote something you know down, and I realized that there was a piece of what I of what I get to communicate today it 's actually really important for us as a church, um, and that i i didn 't have eyes for it as a church because to me it, it has become somewhat um, mundane and it is, it is this idea that all throughout the Scriptures, God is a God of the impossible. Now, I've read the Scriptures for a long time, and I've agreed with that idea that God does impossible things. But I had not necessarily experienced or become aware of what impossible things God had done in my own life. A lot of you know that Bo and I were in a touring band, and we toured for about two and a half years full time. And we never got in a car accident. Like, I never thought about that. We, we, we would play shows with ridiculous drives in between. We would, we would play a show. We would get off stage, maybe shower if they had one for us, get in a van with a trailer, and drive all night to the next place. And we did this for two years, two and a half years. Eventually, we upgraded and got a semi. And we had got drivers who were supposed to sleep during the day. If Dave Taylor was here, I'd chastise him. Um, They were supposed to sleep during the day, but lots of times they wanted to be at the concerts. And so then when I started to think about this, there's some impossibility in that. The amount of miles, the amount of concerts that we did, and we never got in a car accident. Um, And it was just this moment where I was like, no, I, I have seen the impossible, but I think that I have an idea of what the impossible is, and that I haven't seen that yet. And so because I haven't seen that yet, I excuse or look over this idea. Our our friends in Fort Wayne had a key leader in their church um, that was in her mid 20s and out of totally healthy a run marathon runner out of nowhere dropped dead and had a heart attack and the church was in such turmoil and it just didn't, it didn't make any sense to them that they actually gathered together to pray for her resurrection. And when I, when I hear that story, that she, that she would be reanimated, that no matter how many hours that she had been dead, they thought if they gathered and they prayed, that she could come back to life. And I heard that story, and I'm like, did she? <laughs> you know, like, and you know, she didn't. And I'm like, how did you feel, right? Like, how did you feel as the church leader that at some moment you were like, we're going to gather everybody to pray because this leader in our church died, and we're not going to pray for comfort. We're going to pray that she would be raised from the dead. Like, that, that to me is crazy. That to me is like unheard of, except for that people have heard of that happening. And he had heard of that happening. And a close friend of his was a part of a prayer in a village where they prayed for a child that had died, and the child did come back to life. And so his response to me was, I've never done it, but I heard that it's been done, so I figured we should give it a go. And he's British, so that's the, we should give it a go. And it was like, I I was, in my heart, I was like, I don't know if I'd give it a go. Like, I don't know if I would text everybody and say, let's meet, you know. But at the same time, I was really um, challenged by what the scripture calls a mustard seed of faith. And it was this idea of, well, I've never done it, but I heard that somebody else did it. So I figured, why don't we give it a go? And there's a level of risk and of adventure in that, that when I hear that story, my immediate response is, you guys are crazy. I can't believe you did that. And then when I think about it, I say, what are we doing? Like, I want to be a part of a community. I want to be a part of a church that would say, I I haven't seen it, but I I heard about this. I heard that um, that God restores life in impossible situations. I've heard that God delivers people who are trapped in addiction. I've heard that God can rewire the mind when depression seems to be a weighted vest. I want to be a part of a community that actually believes that the impossible is possible, and not because we are efficient. But because we're so aware of our inefficiency and we're so in need of a God that does the impossible that in our desperation, we're willing to call on him as long as it would take. So let me pray and let me share with you my talk today that I'm not passionate about. (laughs) So Lord, would you speak to us this morning? Would you draw us in? Would you reveal your heart? I thank you for Aaron's story. I thank you for Dennis's story. I thank you for the fact that you're already wetting the palate, that you're a God that does the impossible. I celebrate the fact that there's people in this room who are longing to have Dennis's story. And so I just sense that you want to do more. And so we uh, sit in your presence. And we ask you to speak and we ask you to direct. And so I ask, Lord, that you would use the content that's prepared to lift yourself up, to glorify yourself, and to speak hope and dreams and adventure and risk into our lives as we walk with you. And I pray in Christ's name. Amen. So each year, the elders and the pastors go away for a retreat, and it's a, it's a planning retreat. So those, I don't know why they call plannings retreats, because they're not retreat-ish, they're planning, but I enjoy it because I'm strategic. So we go away for a retreat, the, the goal is to make space to listen for God and to receive direction for the coming year. And we, get, we take time alone, we take time together, we come back. We, we get a sense together of what God is saying to us, where, where God is directing us for this upcoming year. And last year, if you remember, we sensed the directive to lean into Ephesians 3.20. Remember, we made cards. We had them around everywhere. We've had it on the board. We did the More series. Ephesians 3.20 said this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, According to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And we focused in on this phrase Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. And so we wanted to lean into that. So we did the More series. And our small groups went through content of of what does it mean to live with expectation. To expect that God was going to not only show up, but that God was going to do more, abundantly more, than what we had even been asking or thinking. And that idea of God at work in our lives being normal is why we do the testimony time on Sunday. We're trying to create an expectation that God is actually at work. And when we hear that from each other, it encourages us to have different eyes as we go through the week. It encourages us to share. It encourages us to continue to ask God for more. And we've definitely been hearing about God doing more in this community. I never thought that I would be a part of praying for somebody and their body being healed. Like I never... I've read about that. I thought it was really cool in the scriptures. I've never been a part of that until Aaron came with his mom to pray about something totally different. And in the middle of the prayer, God was highlighting her hip. It was like that game operation. Like her hip was like highlighted to me for whatever reason. And so I said, I want to pray for your hip. And she was like, okay and so i started praying about jacob wrestling with god and she she stood upright and has come back with months in between to tell us how she is still experiencing god's healing i I never thought that i would be a part of something like that and in that i saw god do more (laughs) more than i expected more than she expected We've had people in our community that have been experiencing more in their reconciliation of relationships that they thought were done and gone. They've been experiencing more in people's lives who are experiencing loss and pain that any one of us would say should just knock them out. And somehow they stay afloat and somehow they serve others. We've been seeing more, even in our finances here at the church. We wanted to be more mature in our stewardship. We wanted to trust more. We wanted to pull together. And it's with joy that we say that the roof is completed, right? We pulled that off. You should give yourselves a hand. Three of you, eight of you, ten of you. We're a small, weird church that somehow afforded to put a new roof on a really big footprint. That's amazing. We're seeing God do more as we step in and make those gifts available to him. We've been seeing evidence of God doing far more. And so as we gathered at our elder retreat this June, it was interesting because we had a sense that God was saying, don't start a new initiative. <laughs> don't, don't change course. I'm actually inviting you to go deeper into what I've already said. I'm inviting you to go deeper into what I've already said, that he is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. The beyond us part, the beyond what we can ask or think, that to me is an intriguing statement. Because what is beyond me asking or thinking about, I would label the impossible. Because what I ask and think about is what I think is possible. Does that make sense? I ask God for what I think is possible. Now, I don't know if that's a confession, or I don't know if, if that's you, but that's me. Sometimes I'll give God strategies about how God can accomplish the things that I think are possible, right? <laughs> Outcomes A, B, and C. When we were at the retreat, and we sensed God saying, I don't want to change course. I actually want to go deeper. I want to go deeper into providing more than you ask or think. It actually created some excitement in our group. Like we were excited about it. Because we believe that as a church, we're in a season where we're going to see a different type of grace. That there will be grace in our church for grace. That we will see people experiencing grace for the first time, the grace of God. And that as we hear and do, as we obey, that God's plans for a deeper more among us are going to become more and more clear. That as we go, this will become more and more clear to us. And we sensed a cheery and gleeful type of invitation from God that it's kind of fun to do the impossible. That's kind of fun. That God God thinks it's kind of fun to do the impossible and is looking for a people who are asking for the impossible. Because with God, nothing is impossible. And so God is inviting us to go deeper and to ask for more. And if God is of the inclination to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, then my question is this. What are we asking for? Or perhaps a more direct way to say it, what aren't we asking for? If God has said, my inclination is to do far more abundantly, exceedingly, far more than you would ask or think. My question is, what aren't we asking for? What are those impossible things that we stopped asking God for? What are those impossible things in your life that you've stopped asking God for? You might want to write it down if something comes to mind to you right now. We're gonna spend a little bit of time this weekend in the Dreams and Dialogue on Saturday discussing this and leveraging our faith for one another. But for today, what is the impossible thing that you stopped asking God for? Write it down, make a note of it. Because here's the thing: the Bible is full of these types of asks. For Elizabeth, it was the bare child. For Joshua, it was to defend the Gibeonites against five armies. So he prayed, and the sun and moon stood still for a day. For Daniel, it was to keep his roommates' stomachs satiated and his roommates' reliance. Thank you, Kirk. You're on point laughing. I appreciate that. For Elijah, it was praying for rain. For the father in Matthew 17, it was a prayer for full restoration of his son who suffered from epilepsy. What is your impossible? Write it down. And my question is this, are you willing to begin to ask and think on that again? Are you willing to begin to ask and to think on that again? Because God's promise to you is that he is ready to do more beyond what we can ask or think. God is able to do far more. So this is the first thing that we believe that God is inviting us as a church to go deeper into more. And we're super excited about it. Anybody nervous by a show of hands? Yeah, it's unknown. Anybody afraid because you think this might touch a sore spot in you, right? Yeah, that's reasonable. So, Secondly, this morning, we believe that our vision will become clearer as we go. That our vision will become clearer as we go. So our vision as a church is to see the kingdom of God come by loving God, making disciples, and serving the world. We believe that that vision will become more clear, as we begin to step into asking for the impossible. That this vision is not something that will happen to us, but it is something that we will ask for. It will be a part of our longing. And so we know that in order to fulfill this vision, we have to have a plan. And so this is where my strategic comes in. So there's three E's. If you, want to, if you want to write them down, you can. We, we identified this, that we need to equip each other with tools and inspire passion for going out through story, that we recognize that story has power. We like movies because they tell stories. There's certain bands that we'll listen to because they're great storytellers, Megadeth, right? We're willing to suspend perhaps good taste in music in order to have great story. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Ben. But we think there's power in story and knowing our story and hearing other stories like we do during our testimony time. It's super powerful. We know that we know that we we'll need to empower each other by building confidence in our identity and our role in God's story. That there's there's some disconnect that came out of the Jesus Journey survey, that there are things that we believe about ourselves and about God, and then when the next question has to do with, so what do you do about that? Everyone was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't do anything about it. I just believe it. I just agree that God cares about social justice, and I care about it too, but I don't, like, I don't really know what to do with that. And so we, we believe in order for this vision to come to fruition that there's a level of empowering that needs to happen where we become confident in our identity as already beloved children of God and as representatives of the kingdom of God here on earth. And thirdly, to encourage encourage each other to take chances to be adventurous and to have fun in the pursuit of the impossible. It's contagious. It's exciting. We want to be a part of it when we hear somebody telling a story about adventure and about pursuit of the impossible. So in in equipping, there's some very specific things. Equipping each other with tools and inspire passion. I honestly believe that there is no greater equipping in our community than in being in a small group. I think that you can attend on Sundays, and it's fine. You understand, you know, what we're doing, and you probably have your own things that you do on your own. But I I have found that small group changes the level of conversation. It changes the level of reflection and of invitation. As you see a group of people who are moving out to love others, to serve one another, it's magnetic, and it's equipping, it's teaching, it's, Teaching us how to do it. So, my encouragement to you is that if you're not in a small group this fall, or if you hadn't planned to be, plan to be. The writer of Hebrews says, Do not give up meeting together as some have. And I just think it's a powerful statement. He wasn't talking about Sunday service, he's talking about being together, being family, functioning together. So being a part of a group is critical to thriving and growing as Jesus followers and we want everyone to have access to a small group and so we need to get some things together. One of them is this, (laughs) we need more small group leaders. We have a lot of people weekly who ask to be connected to a small group and as we go into the fall, we will need four to five new small groups to be able to connect the people in in, in in a reasonable way. If if that's something you've been thinking about, if it's something that you're willing to pray about, I encourage you to do so. It's it's an amazing way to make a space for equipping. Along with that, we're going to do some coaching for our small group leaders this fall with our small group program. And so I don't want you to feel like you have to come knowing everything. Uh, We're going to give coaching, and we're going to give opportunities to connect with other leaders and we feel like God's asking us to do that, that, that it's important because our small groups actually have reach beyond our Sunday community. And so pray about that, think about that. The second E in power, we talk about building confidence in our identity, in our, in our role in God's story. And we've always used this idea of the triangle. It's on, it's on the wall out there. You have shirts of living a balanced life of up in and out that we think following Jesus requires an integrated life where you have an up relationship with God, where you have an in, where there's a a group of people that you're able to be honest and vulnerable with, and that you have an out, that there's some type of expression of sharing God's love with others. And we're not going to back down from that. We're actually going to embrace that again and continue to do so this year. And we feel like, that the triangle helps us to understand our role as beloved children of God but also as representatives of the kingdom of God in the world because we're both. I'm reading this book called Intercessory Prayer by Dutch Sheets. Anyone ever read that? Dutch Sheets. Well, okay. It's got a funny name. It'd be worth a read. But in, in this book, Intercessory Prayer, he says these words, and I found it to be so encouraging. He says, this is the heavenly pattern. Jesus is the victor, and we are the enforcers of the victory. Jesus is the redeemer. We are the releasers from bondage. Jesus is the head. We are the body. So the partnership goes on, God and humans. In the kingdom enterprise, we are not in the production department. We are in distribution. We are not in the production department. We are in distribution. And there's a big difference. God is the generator. We are the distributors. And we want to grow in this understanding that God is the generator, but that we have a vital role as representatives of the kingdom here on earth. And so we're excited about this next year. We're excited about leaning in, finding out what God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly more, which takes us to the last E, which is To encourage each other to take chances, to be adventurous, and to have fun in the pursuit of the impossible within community. And the idea is that God is going to spark interest, passion, desire, impossibility in people's hearts in this community in this next year. And when that happens, they will not be able to achieve it on their own. They will not be able to go alone. And so we want to encourage the dreaming. We want to encourage being open to God for the impossible. But we also want to recognize that it will require all of us to be able to move on that adventure. The idea of pursuing the impossible to me is exciting. It's something I want to be a part of. I remember about four years ago. You know, full disclosure: four years ago, I got I was really in a tough spot here at Genesis, and I saw a job description for a nonprofit that was looking for someone to coordinate the police and emergency response units to go in and do raids in Detroit to rescue. Uh, teens from human trafficking. And when I read that, I was like, I want to do that. (laughs) Like, I read it, and I was like, that's what I want to do. And I started to look into it, and I put out some feelers, because I was like, what else would I want my life to be about? Rescue, right? That's what we do. We have a three-legged dog that we rescued, right? We have a chihuahua with an anxiety disorder that we rescued, right? We're a foster home. We're all about rescue. And very quickly, that door was closed on me. And what what was great about it was that I, for once in many years, felt a fire. And I felt like, oh, this is what God is doing. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. It's someone being sparked or ignited by something that they could not pull off and that would require God's movement and God's resources to achieve the impossible. And I still have that stirring in my heart to achieve the impossible. And it isn't until recent that I realize that God wants to do the impossible right here. He doesn't need me to go somewhere else. And that it's God's desire to actually do the impossible through us as a church. So I'm encouraged in my heart. And this week, one of my friends posted their devotional, and it was timely. And he and his wife had entered into a fast together, not eating from sunup to sundown. And the goal of a fast is to try and connect your physical hunger, to a spiritual hunger for God. And while they were in the fast, he had heard these words, and they shared it with us, and it said this, and I believe that this morning, this was the encouragement for us as a church. It said this, against immeasurable odds, God made a promise in Isaiah 43 two. When you go through deep waters... I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. And then he reflected on it and he said, We will not drown. We will not be burned up. We will not be consumed. Why? Because God is the God of the impossible. In our deficiency, in our inability to believe that, when the enemy comes and starts to point out all of our inefficiency, all of our lack of faith, My prayer is that God would remind us of the mustard seed and that God would gift us with faith. And so, my prayer for us as a community is that we would begin to receive the gift of faith. And that is, it is faith that God is a God of the impossible. Let me pray. So Lord, we we need your help. So this next mile, this next year, seems unattainable <laughs> and impossible. And I love it because we are utterly dependent on you. And so Father, as we um, desire to grow in your likeness, as we desire to see your kingdom come, as we desire to see lives restored, as we desire to see territories and neighborhoods and families reclaimed, as we desire to see your kingdom and your rule expand, would you be gracious to us and have mercy on us and be patient with us And remind us. And center us. And inspire us. We long to see the impossible. But it's beyond our doing. And so we lean into you. And so even today, Lord, as we've heard stories of the impossible, as you loosened Dennis's tongue and You loosened Aaron's tongue. And all those that shared, Father, would your spirit bring a quickening that we would be aware of your presence and of what you're saying and where you're leading and that you would supply boldness and courage and a willingness to go with you. For those specific things, Lord, that we had stopped asking about and stopped thinking about that we wrote down or that are etched in our heart, Lord, would you absorb them? And would you meet us in the tension in that space? And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So for this week, I just want to invite you on Saturday from 3 to 6. Child care will be provided.